Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 374 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Kitty, kitty, kitty. Bex, how are you doing? Hello, I am doing okay. It is rainy, it is cold, but I have Power Wash Simulator, so I'm all right. <laughs> yes, she's obviously been streaming things uh, whilst it's been rainy and cold. One of them being a Power Wash Simulator, which, I mean, can't get you out to yeah, clean your mostly, own house, but yes. <laughs> mostly Power Wash Simulator. It is embarrassing how much cleaning is fun when it's not real. I, I, I Maybe I need to clean the inside of my house with a pressure washer. Yes. I, I don't know how well that would go Probably my keyboard not. definitely needs it let's be fair <laughs> um, but yeah i have been playing a lot of power wash simulator it was intended to be a one stream thing as a gag <laughs> <laughs> yes because it got lara croft downloadable content or something for power that's wash what simulator. i'm playing i haven't run the main part of the game i'm playing <laughs> the dlc and i've been playing the dlc for weeks <laughs> It's so good. Oh my goodness. Like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just completely. It's like all the fun of just mucking around in the Tomb Raider 2 Croft manner, but you've got a pressure washer and you could draw and write rude things on the walls. And there's a dinosaur. <laughs> so, yeah, I've cleaned the entire outside of Croft Manor. I've cleaned the entire assault course and then I attempted to run it with a first person perspective and no feet. That was fun. And we ran around in the maze. I stole a gnome. It it was quite surreal. And now we are cleaning the treasure room and it's got a T-Rex in it. And I just keep making T-Rex manning jokes, which are quite niche. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I just like say no more dinosaur, something, 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 raw, raw, raw. See, it just works. If you haven't seen Empire Records, I mean, people probably already think I'm slightly unhinged, but that's definitely adding to it. Yes, absolutely it is, of course. So that's been your main streaming thing recently, has it? <laughs> Anything else you've been streaming or just that? I keep intending to play. In fact, I will probably do this this week as I think I'm near the end of the Tomb Raider DLC. They've got a Final Fantasy DLC, so it's not gone yet, but um, I will finish the Tomb Raider DLC, attempt to play a few other games because I've really been wanting to play King of the Castle. Ah, yes. I've heard a little bit about this, but go on, do explain. Effectively, the lovely people over at Team 17 took a bunch of us to an actual castle, which was amazing. And they gave us crowns and scepters and they fed us and they were actors and we got to play the game and then we got given game keys. And the game is very, very, very fun. You effectively, I like as the streamer, I would be the monarch and 
and then I make loads of decisions and all of the regents and things can vote for what they want to do in an attempt to overthrow me and basically chat can control all of those votes and things. <laughs> so it's like, it can be played like as a party game at home and things as well. And it could be played online and stuff as well. But there's a streamer mode where chat can effectively vote to get you murdered and thrown off the, the throne. So that seems like good fun but it's very very tongue-in-cheek it's very silly it's very fun and it was like obviously you know my full disclosure is massively bribed with very good cake and a crown by team 17 (laughs) Um, so i can't say after that i could possibly be considered impartial but i i also really like fun silly games like this where you get to read out all of the stuff and it's all very funny and I know that chat wants to murder me in the nicest possible way. Yeah, so it's just a very good fit. So yeah, I want to play that at some point. I also really, really, really want to play a game called Neko Delivery Service where you're a flying witch cat and you're basically like Amazon Prime delivering parcels to houses. Yes, I've seen a little bit about that as well. Yes, that does look interesting. Yeah, I saw it at Gamescom and it's adorable and lovely and I still haven't got around to playing it. And I'm just like, I'm just being sucked into power wash simulator it's taken <laughs> over i've got all of these games i want to play right now and i'm just like power washing stuff it's a mm. testament to how good that game is to be fair yes yeah there's something is something quite therapeutic about some of those sort of games which are are sort of go and do a cleaning thing or you know build computers or you know, there's lots of those kind of simulatory sort of things are you doing yeah. real world well stuff? i played unpacking before then yes and there's a new one oh i've forgotten the name of it i tweeted it just the other day but there's one on kickstarter that has a similar vibe because unpacking is amazing i absolutely yes, loved it, it. I, and i tweeted i was scrolling as i talk but there is one uh, called camper van make it home that's going to be on kickstarter soon right which is decorating and putting all your stuff in camper vans for your adventures and learning about like your your life story through that so a similar kind it's obviously going to get compared to unpacking because it has a very similar game mechanic of mm-hmm. tidying things away um although this one isn't a this one's more of a 3D modern art style and there's a floof in it, whereas uh, Unpacking was a like hand-drawn pixel style. So that's probably going to go on my list as well. I'm probably going to back that one on Kickstarter when that launches. Because I just, I'm really loving these cozy kind of not you know not hugely timed reaction based games at the moment because there's something really nice about the sound design of them like it just seems to be making me happy like everything in unpacking when you pick something up and you put it onto a different surface it sounds different if you pick Mm -hmm. up a a ceramic pot in the kitchen and you put it on the tiles in the bathroom on the floor it makes the sound and power wash simulator does, does that as well when you're power washing leaves versus brick versus wood versus like the sound is design is just somehow really really pleasing like i've been converted to the cozy game genre which is just (laughs) i i I grew up on you know doom and quake and things so yeah i'm like okay like i seem to have moved from all action platforming and fps and things and just slowly 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 i'm like where should i put this pot plant (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there are a few of those like little sort of games that i pick up unpacking i i thought was absolutely phenomenal just Mm. so and it's the amount of emotion that you get out of a game that has no dialogue
dialogue because you're going through this person's life and they kind of moving in with somebody and then you see them move out again. You're like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> yeah, there's a clip of me near the end where I'm just doing the, oh, I'm not crying, you're crying. And I, I, I wasn't crying, crying, but I was definitely doing the slightly fanning my face thing that yeah. somehow... Yeah. <laughs> and I was not expecting that. The the story was so emotive and I got so emotionally invested yeah. in the character and and the life that they were living. And I just thought it was gonna be because I saw a couple of people stream it a little bit and I was like, Oh, this is lovely. I wanna like the artwork's gorgeous. I wanna try this out. And I was not expecting it to have this big storyline arc and there to be all of these beautiful contextual clues. Like they must have spent so so much time yeah every single thing just putting the books and the dvds on the floor and the games like there's a lot of gamecube games in it or a uh, uh, Nintendo box games as we were calling them and um <laughs> they, they've got all these kind of like off-brand very simple pixel art things and we were you could identify everything yeah I'd be yeah. like, ah, oh, that's clearly the Matrix. That's clearly Avatar. Yeah. That's clearly Ghost World. And like, just doing that was fun in itself. Like, that's just how nice that game was. And yeah, more games like that, I think, are definitely going to appear in my future. I seem to have gone from wanting to be like high octane and things. I'm sure that will come back at some point as well. I'm sure I'll be forced to play Alien Isolation again. I'm sure, uh, maybe yes. this is all just a reaction to having been forced to play Alien Isolation on Nightmare Mode, probably. And um, <laughs> to, to like just wanting to explore these really kind of lovely life stories and enjoy the artwork. And yeah, mm. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Am I, am I just getting old? <laughs> yeah, well, they could be that as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I find myself playing games like that. I mean, unpacking, I, I thought was wonderful. There is a lovely little game called Dorf Romantic, which I, I play on and off quite a lot because it's quite easy to sort of pick up and put down, which is where you build a landscape out of sort of placing tiles and you get tiles depending on whether you've matched a sort of piece of water up with another piece of water or a village tile up with another village tile and stuff. And that's literally mm -hmm. it. You're just building this little thing out with tiles and stuff. And it's just one of those things that if you've got like, you know, half an hour to kill, it's just great to be able to pick up and like kill a little bit of time with that. But that's beautiful beautiful relaxing and just chill and you know occasionally pick yeah up. i think i used to do a lot more things that were kind of chill and relaxing when i was younger and then at some point i just decided they weren't cool like i used to do embroidery and beadwork and knit <laughs> and i used to make puzzles like as a kid i did the all like the inverted commas old person things when i was a kid and then obviously when i became a teenager i guess that people would have been like that's that's not cool you know they would have just yeah. negatively reacted to that so i kind of slowly stop doing the boy and now i think i'm working my way back again. Yes, definitely. But, you know, that's fine. Interesting mix of stuff that you're coming onto your stream. So, you know, that's that's great. You never know quite what you're going to get, which is also good. No, but it is quite easy to tell what you're going to get with my um, watching list recently. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've mostly continued to binge watch Deep Space Nine. In fact, I finished the entire seven seasons. Nice going, though. It's a great uh, show. Um, it is a great show. I haven't, like, I've watched it, I've watched it various times, uh, but I haven't watched it through recently it's been a big good few years i know them well enough a lot of the episodes that i've just had this on in the back before anyone goes like seven seasons of deep space nine like i basically have done nothing no i've had these on in the background and yeah. been doing other stuff working at the same time you know whenever i'm doing housework or chilling out or cooking or eating or anything because you know i can kind of use them a bit like radio it's been fun with this 
watch through where I know the main storyline kind of back to front. Mm -hmm. The episodes I've sort of sat and watched and paid attention to rather opposed to looked over occasionally at and listened to because they're, they're very descriptive, actually, the episodes. You can enjoy quite a lot of them without actually looking at the screen, which is kind of nice. <laughs> um, but the ones I've been sort of excited to see and paid the most attention to or stop what I'm doing to watch have mostly been filler episodes. Oh, really? Deep Space Nine has the best filler episodes of anything because it has obviously one continuous plot through the whole yeah. series which is something I completely love about it and something I've always said is one of the reasons why it's one of my favourite Star Trek series is because it has this continuous plot and it has tons of character development and then I'm like actually most of my favourite episodes are, are the filler episodes they do tend to be quite character development based episodes but it's basically anything where the Ferengi run off by themselves yes all of the this Quark is like I mean I love Jadzia she is one of my favorite yes. Star Trek characters in the world, but the most entertaining character to watch, I think, is Quark. Yeah, he's absolutely amazing, entertaining. He his character development and his kind of constantly fighting against his own character development and being just being nice and then pretending not to be nice and um, making, you know, whenever push comes to shove, he will always make the morally correct decision whilst yeah. loudly proclaiming that he doesn't care about such things. The kind of comedic performance of that where it can be funny and hilarious and also somewhat touching and things was just really cool. So a lot of the Quark and Ferengi-centric episodes I found myself paying attention to. Plus, it had some incredible one-off episodes where they, you know, just travel through time and go and go through the trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're great episodes. And uh, Who Mourns for Mourn is one of my favourites on the rewatch. Yes. Yeah. So, like, nothing happens and it's so good. Such a good run. It's very interesting watching some of those compared to some of the newer iterations as well. Um, mm. You watched Discovery, didn't you? I think that's. I think I ended up. I ended up slightly behind. I kind of fell off watching a lot of the newer ones. I right. started and didn't complete them. Did you get to Strange New Worlds? Because Strange New Worlds is the one that is most Trek out of the newer ones. I was going to, and then I got distracted and watched seven seasons of DS9. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, the the opening episode is a little bit shaky, but mm -hmm. get, get through that because it's sort of introducing the characters in the sort of setup. So try and watch the sort of first two or three episodes close together. And then it mm. becomes just like the original Star Trek. It's very much sort of Monster of the Week. It has very much that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And the characters are incredibly likeable. It's a really, really good series. That I can't recommend highly enough. Discovery, we found out last week, was going to be ending with its fifth season, which, I mean, if it was a choice of keeping one or the other of those, I'm glad they stuck with Strange New Worlds because I absolutely adore that series. I mean, Discovery was interesting and I'm, I'm very happy with what it did. And the fact that it brought Star Trek back to TV. But I think Strange New Worlds, honestly, is probably the better show out of the two. Yeah, I watched the whole of the Orville a while ago as well. I'm sure I've mentioned that on a previous yes. podcast. But the Orville was also old school Trek, effectively. Yeah, very much. Um, just with some extra comedy thrown in. Yeah, I was actually going to watch Strange New Worlds, but I, like, I had some work to do at the same time. So I thought I'd just stick a couple of episodes of Deep Space Nine on and then this <laughs> happened. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting watching back through. And I think having watched through the entirety of my favorite series and then watching some more of the newer stuff, I think that'll be an interesting kind of comparison for me because I'd also 
forgotten a little bit how much DS9 struggled in its last season mm-hmm. and how the last season compared to the others is like really like well they're, they're having one massive problem of obviously trying to deeply ingrain a brand new character into yeah. their series which is incredibly difficult to do in a final series that yeah. needed to happen either sooner or not at all it's just difficult to do I'm not you know hugely blaming the writers or actors for that it's just such a difficult task when you have this massive ongoing plot that spent you know six series is worth of episodes to get to this point to then chuck a new main character in hugely mm-hmm. nigh on impossible task to do particularly well and then they're trying to wrap everything up at the end of it and like it's it's not a bad ending to the series it's just that a lot of those arcs like it, it's probably better than if they tried to add six more seasons in just you know clearly everything had got to the end of its arcs yeah. the natural kind of conclusions were being reached but it became sort of almost obvious everything that was going to happen in that series because that's what had to happen at that point people had to have their comeuppances certain characters were obviously going to end up on fire Uh, (laughs) certain people were obviously going to start dating other people like it just so it felt a little bit yeah weaker compared to some of the other series but I still enjoyed it it's good fun I think it's always fun watching something back through from the start again and watching those characters develop um because I, I rewatched. did i talk about it on the last time i was on watching avatar the last airbender all the way through? yes yes you did you yeah. talked about that yeah it's a similar thing to that where like oh yeah i'd forgotten how at the start this character was really annoying and yeah. um because you remember them how they were in the last series not how they were in the first one so yeah. there was a bit of that what else have I watched? I watched um, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Um, right. Partly because I'd forgotten I'd already seen it. And then <laughs> after watching it, I remembered why I'd forgotten why I'd already seen it. <laughs> right. Because it's not very good. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. It's a 2018 animated Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. Uh, it's the worst one of the lot, I ah, think. Um, right. Of the Suicide Squad ones. So yeah, I kind of got part way into it and then I was like, I think I remember this. I think there's a really annoying character who's like a male stripper. And then I was like, bow, 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 bow. I was like, it is. It is, that is this one. <laughs> I've seen I this. have seen this one. It's just a ridiculous plot line. It, the whole thing hinges around the idea that there's a get out of hell free card. Right. A once use effectively plastic card that will mean that if you perish, you will get a pass go straight to heaven thing. And a bunch of people who aren't very nice are all fighting over it and using the Suicide Squad and various other people in order to do that. And you just don't really care. Right, yeah. It's got some good bits in it, but I think just the overall plot just is one of the much weaker plots. And some of the characters I I liked that I thought I'd be interesting to have. And I remember watching the start of it and going like, I'm sure like I've seen something where all these slightly interesting kind of second rate Suicide Squad characters get killed in the first scene and then they all got shot in the head. And I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's this one. Damn it. I I want, I want to see some of these other, these other characters a bit more. Um, Yeah. It's the most silly Dr. Fate plot line ever where it was a two bit male stripper type character who's not very intelligent and is very much a stereotype and just isn't that funny was Dr. Fate. Right. Yes. And uh, people think he knows where this magical card is that I just don't, feel like Amanda Waller and characters like that would believe in a, a get out of hell free card yeah no it, that seems like a preposterous plot for I mean even for a sort of animated yes 
the DC yeah. animation has been much better than that generally, I think. Yeah, it, usually they're really good. Yeah, it's yeah. just just this one. You're just like, ah, oh, why yeah. why is this a thing? Yeah. Why why do we have to have this? Um, so yeah, it has a pretty decent voice cast and things. Just um, yeah, the other DC one I watched recently was one of the Batman ones, and I've forgotten which one it was, but I couldn't concentrate for the whole thing because the actor who plays Gordon in Gotham was voicing Batman. Right. Yes, that's a bit weird. And I couldn't get past that and it kept distracting me. And then I had to Google who it was and then it kept distracting me even more. And I'm not saying he's a terrible choice to voice Batman. It just confused me yes. for the entire thing because I was hearing Ben McKenzie Gordon's voice yes, it coming was, out of Batman's animated mouth. Yes, that was the Batman year one animation, I think. Yes. That's very weird. I mean, I get why they decided to do that, I, you know, I suppose. But I mean, voice cast is incredible because they've got Brian Cranston playing Gordon and Eliza Dushku playing Catwoman in that. I mean, you know, they've got a good cast lineup for that. But yes, that they have. A bit weird. They're all doing very well. I just couldn't move past the fact that his voice is Gordon. Yes. Yes. Which just kept taking me out of the of the moment. Um, so, which is not his fault. It's entirely my fault. Um, yeah, yeah. But just your brain gets hold yeah, of it. It's, it's, like, it's, That's it. Yeah. it's as if they got Tara Strong to voice Catwoman. It, right. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm just like, no, that's not, that's not what you do. Yeah. Um, so there, there was that. Uh, the only other thing that I've watched recently is I started rewatching an anime series called Code Geass, La Luch of the Rebellion. I don't know if you've seen any of that. No, absolutely nothing. So <laughs> I haven't watched it in years and it's vastly faster paced and more chaotic than I remember it. So that's been quite enjoyable. It's been out for quite a while. I can't remember what year it was originally released, but I'm going to say like, uh, I don't know, early, mid 2000s. And it's a whole complicated alternative universe world where there's a huge uh, Europa kind of based English territories taking over the whole world almost. And Japan is part of that. Our main character is secretly the prince of somewhere, but he's, he said he didn't want anything to do with the throne. So he pretends that he's just a commoner, but uses exactly the same name. Right. <laughs> so he's still going around calling himself Lelouch. But he's just pretending he's not the same one. Okay. Of Britannia. <laughs> despite the fact he presumably still looks the same based on the flashbacks and he decides he wants to take down the entire Britannian empire effectively by playing this ginormous game of chess with them because he is ridiculously intelligent and he has been gifted by a greenhead witch this power that allows him to make anyone do what he commands once. Right. He's also on top of this huge cat and mouse game with an entire government where he orders people around and effectively uses chess pieces and puts all their troops in places and tries to help this entire rebellion and things. He's also a normal high school lad (laughs) (laughs) in that very anime way. Yes. (laughs) So you'll literally go from an episode and I'd forgotten just how whiplashy the tone of this was. You literally have an episode where he's commanding troops and people are dying in his name as he is Zero, the hero who is trying to, you know, the faceless, terrifying person trying to take down this entire government organization and he will have these episodes where people are dying on the front lines and there's people living in the slums and the Japanese people are second-class citizens to the invading forces and stuff. And then an episode where they're all chasing a cat around the school because the cat's (laughs) taken his mask that he uses to hide his face when he's zero. And if they find the the cat's got the mask and it's the cat that lives in his house for no reason, they found it on the street, then his 
his identity will be exposed. Um, <laughs> and they're all chasing it around the school and it gets on the roof and him and his friend are trying to climb on the roof of the school and other people are, are trying to stop him doing that because they don't know why he wants the cat. And they're like, whoever catches the cat will get, you know, a date with one of the people on the school council board members team and he's handsome <laughs> and, and you're just like i'd forgotten how wonderfully chaotic this show was <laughs> so yeah everything from you know his younger sister has such severe ptsd trauma from their family being murdered and being on a war zone that she has effectively lost the ability to see just through trauma so there's right. nothing wrong with her eyes she just can't bear to look at the world anymore he wants to protect her and stuff through to comedy of errors with running cats stealing his secret identity mask um excellent so yeah i'd recommended it to a friend and we started watching it and they were like this is all over the place this is it's quite fun but it doesn't make a huge amount of sense and i was like yeah actually <laughs> you're, you're kind of right but it's a fun ride and everyone's got fabulous hair excellent, excellent. And everyone it? buys pizza hut this is also a thing i'd forgotten there is Massive Pizza Hut product placement in an alternate world universe with the Britannian Empire taking over the universe. <laughs> That's so weird. What, what's it called again? It's called Code Gears Lelouch of the Rebellion. Right. Okay. So if you want something that's all over the place, but quite fun, go and look that up. <laughs> yeah. Super dramatic. You've, you've got to love a bit of that super dramatic stuff where you've got somebody in a mecha saying, wait, they've realized that I realized that they'd realize that I'd realize that Ed, I'd realize this, which means I need to do this, but no. I can't be outwitted by these people. I must do this and then they'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. But what if they realise I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this? Oh, it's, it is wonderfully over the top. Excellent. Just what you want from your anime. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you'd have trouble doing it in anything other than anime. The cost in coloured wigs alone would bankrupt you. <laughs> yes, that is true. Awesome. For my stuff this week, I did go and watch Luther, The Fallen Son, which is the Luther movie, which is on Netflix. And uh, that was released earlier this week. And it's really good. And uh, having sort of mentioned Batman earlier, there is something a little Batman-esque about the setup for this. The villain in it, and this isn't spoiling anything because blatantly obvious they've released it in the trailer and they kind of give it away straight away. It's a character called David Robbery. He's played by Andy Serkis and is this wonderful psychotic role. He is a serial killer and he is Batman villain level of dark. He really is. He's Some of the stuff that he sets up, like the opening sort of thing, he's, his basic entire deal is that he gets information on people, blackmails them into doing his bidding. That's his way of getting them into these situations and then it often ends up killing various people. But the manner in which he's killing people is twisted and unbelievably dark. It's interesting how they actually set it up as well, because it starts off with Luther turning up at this case and this young cleaner who has um, gone missing and a guy's been killed at this sort of road accident. They're suspecting, obviously, foul play. And he ends up promising the mother of Callum, this guy that's gone missing, that he will find Callum. Andy Serkis' character gets kind of wind of this and basically says, I want as much information as I can get on this guy. And within the first five minutes of the episode, all the stuff that's happened over the past, what, five, six seasons of Luther, all the missteps, all the things that he's done which are outside the law, he makes them all public, gets Luther arrested and thrown in prison. 
that's literally within the first five minutes of the episode. So that's that's the kind of setup for it. So you've ended up with this kind of really twisted evil villain out there with Luther now operating essentially as a vigilante outside of the law because once you've thrown him in prison, there He's are only... Batman. <laughs> yeah, really are only two options of what you can do there. You either keep him in prison and basically turning him to Hannibal Lecter, who is advising the police, or he has to get out of prison somehow and ends up going after the bad guy because you can't just lock Luther up and then roll credits. So Only if you wanted some very angry tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. Oh dear, I, the bad guys want it, yes. So that's pretty much the setup for it and it's beautifully put together. It's written by Neil Cross again. It's a really well put together story. Andy Serkis is wonderful as this like psychotic serial killer. Idris Elba is of course Luther and being very Luthery. It's an interesting twist and takes the entire thing in a slightly different direction and leaves it in an interesting place as well. So I uh, don't know whether they are planning on doing more of these, but there is potential that there is something that he could do after this as well. I really like what they did with this. It sort of picks up the whole idea of it and twists it slightly, but it still feels like Luther as well. So I'm sure if you're a fan of Luther, you've got to watch this. If you're not a fan of Luther and you've never seen an episode of it, it's a brilliant series and well worth going to watch. It's got wonderfully dark writing in it. And you know some of the previous stuff that they've done of, of like serial killers and, and the crimes that are committed and that sort of stuff have been wonderfully twisted and dark. I definitely would advise you to go and watch Luther if you're into those sort of crime dramas. But the movie, certainly, it's on Netflix right now. Well worth going to check out. I don't know whether you've ever watched any of the Luther stuff. I haven't, but you've seen its praises and you normally have a pretty good eye when it comes to, to these kind of things. So maybe I'll add it to my list. Yes. Assuming I don't get distracted and accidentally watch the whole of Voyager. <laughs> yes. I mean, the other thing around, of course, remember going back to the Star Trek stuff is Picard, which is back for its third season. I entirely understand if you dropped out after the first season or tried the first season and decided it wasn't for you. Third season is actually quite easy to jump straight in on because it doesn't really attach to the other two and it's very much about getting the old gang back together. Yeah, people are saying it's almost a bit of a soft reboot and they've been recommending because I also dropped off a little while ago on that one. Yeah, the first season I didn't get along with Brilliant. Brilliantly. Second season I did think was much better. That has a time travel kind of thing running in it. And uh, I mean, I kind of enjoyed that one. I thought they did a better job with that one. Third season I am really enjoying and it is quite disconnected from the others. So you can sort of just jump into the third season and start that. And it's got a lot of the old faces back. Very much enjoyable to watch and see those characters interacting with each other. The episode which just went out, which I think was called No Win Scenario, that episode has a sort of very much a submarine kind of vibe feeling to it and I really like what they did with that episode so they're doing some very interesting things with it certainly worth going to check that back out if you dropped out of that and I entirely understand if you dropped out after the first season because I think that went a little bit sort of all over the place but yeah there's some very interesting things with that and I'm going to be quite intrigued to see where they end that series and what potentially they could continue with after that. Because although they've said this is the end of Picard, I think there are characters you could pull out and create something new out of. I still want a Seven of Nine spin-off showing all of her time between the end of Voyager and when she pops up in Picard. Yes, I think there is potential to do something with Seven of Nine. Not necessarily that, although I think that would be awesome, but I think there is potential to do something 
as a seven of nine fronted series that would be interesting kind of different who knows that may happen Mandalorian's back as well. Second episode of that. They've made some interesting choices with the second episode of Mandalorian because the thing with the Mandalorian is it's very much being about, okay, you give Mando a quest, he gets diverted by side quests and then eventually gets to the sort of thing. And it did look like it was going to be, okay, he needs to redeem himself and he's going to go to Mandalore, but first he's got to go and get this thing. And you kind of think, okay, well, getting to Mandalore is going to be towards the end of the series. Second episode... He's on Mandalore. And the first episode, they make a big deal about the fact that, you know, he goes back and he wants to sort of go and test Mandalore. So he goes back and he's insistence that the only droid that can help him is IG-11 from the first season. But IG-11 needs, is kind of heavily damaged because he got kind of blown up and he needs a memory chip. So in the second episode, you see him go back to Pelimoto, who is the, the mechanic on Tatooine, and see if you can get a memory chip from her. And she says, no, I don't have a memory chip from that, but you can have this R5 droid. And the R5 droid is red, the one that they tried to sell to Owen mm-hmm. Lars. So that's kind of quite a nice little thing. But it sort of negates the whole thing about, you know, he was supposed to go and get a memory chip for IG-11 and that would only do. And then suddenly he's like, okay, well, I'll use this R5 droid which i mean one's an assassin droid one's an astromech it's a bit of a kind of i know, mean same same you know I, yeah. so, so <laughs> you that, know kettle toaster dishwasher they're all the same <laughs> yeah so i mean it, that was a little bit weird but there's some odd choices being made i'm still enjoying it and you know i they are kind of plucking at those sort of nostalgia bits with things like that when you introduce somebody like r5 in there and you know i i suspect they'll go back to the IG-11 thing at some point but it was a little bit weird and jarring how that kind of went together but definitely worth going to watch that do you think it's mostly the kind of nostalgia and you're already being invested in the world that's kind of pulling you through it because i i enjoyed like i watched the first season or so of the mandalorian but i kind of fell off a little bit after that point i don't know if it's just kind of nostalgia now or do you feel the writing is enough to sort of stand up on its own now i think there is a little mix of both to be honest i mean there there is a certain amount of that and I'm kind of invested in the characters and I think the writing is okay and it's fine and uh, I mean I don't think it's necessarily completely outstanding but it's not Last of Us level outstanding which I mean the finale went out this week I mean Last of Us has been absolutely outstanding piece of writing from start to finish it's just superb and it's not up there with that by any stretch but I think it's still very very enjoyable and Book of Boba Fett I don't think was as well written and they made some strange choices with that but you sort of have to watch Book of Boba Fett for at least a couple of episodes of it because it suddenly becomes the Mandalorian 2.5 in the middle of it so you sort of go and watch those episodes for this to be able to make sense so there is a certain amount of nostalgia and and wanting to continue in that world that is kind of pulling you through it but uh, yeah it's it's enjoyable though it is enjoyable the other thing that happened over the weekend of course was the Oscars and we don't want to talk hugely about the Oscars but I just wanted to mention everything everywhere all at once which have you seen that film I really really 
really want to watch it, but I really want to pay attention to it. And I haven't sat down and watched anything paying enough attention to it. So I still haven't seen it. Meanwhile, it's won every award going in the world and some I've never even heard of. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't. I really want to watch it. I just need a night where I'm in the right frame of mind, where I'm going to sit and pay attention and not be doing five things at once. Yes, you do. You need to be able to sit and actually focus on it. It is the most wonderfully bonkers. I mean, essentially, with a lesser directing and a lesser cast, it would have been some freaky little straight-to-video B-movie. It's just elevated to something else. And it was up for 11 Oscars. It actually won seven. I thought you were going to say it won 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's, It's almost at that point where it kind of feels like it could do that. You're talking about a film which has this beautiful love story in it with two women that have sausages for fingers. And there is a major fight sequence where it's an integral part of the fight sequence that the characters are wearing butt plugs. I mean, that is not the sort of film that should be winning Oscars, but it is. Or maybe it is. (laughs) Maybe it is. Yes, maybe absolutely this is where we are. But it not only won Best Picture, it won Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh, Best Original Screenplay for the Writers, Best Director or Directors in this case for the Directing, Best Editing, Best Supporting Actor for Kei Hu Huan, Best Supporting Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis as well. You kind of got the impression watching the Oscars that there was so much love for this, particularly for Kei Hui Kwan, who, for those of you that don't know who that is, a bit of history about him. He is sort of in his, what, 50s now, but left Vietnam on a boat in the 70s during sort of all the Vietnam conflict, went to Hong Kong and lived in a refugee camp, then emigrated to the US in 79 as refugees. He went to support his younger brother on an audition for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at the age of 12. He didn't intend to audition, but the casting director kind of suggested, well, since he's there, he might as well try out. He ends up getting the role as short round in that movie. That's who he is. He then goes on to make Goonies, where he played Data, and he went on to a couple of TV roles. Then in his 20s, he's sort of acting started to dry up a bit as he tried to sort of transition from being a child actor to an adult actor. Also, a lot of the roles that he was getting were very stereotyped kind of things because it was the 80s. So he moved into stunt coordinating and assistant directing. Then at the age of 50, he sees Crazy Rich Asians and thinks, well, this feels like I could possibly get back in front of the camera at this point. And... Mm -hmm this script turns up for this weird little sort of sci-fi fantasy thing called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk in The Goonies, is now a massively successful entertainment lawyer and actually helped negotiate the contracts which got him right. for Everything Everywhere. The film's producer actually said, I never imagined that I would have to negotiate a contract with Chunk and Data for, for one of his movies. <laughs> and they negotiate the contract. He goes and films Everything Everywhere. Everywhere. This is slightly pre-pandemic. Pandemic hits. The movie's stuck basically in limbo because they don't want to release it while the pandemic's out. They're not sure when it's going to come out. During that period, he can't get any work. He actually loses his health insurance from the acting guild. Things are kind of scary. He's phoning up the people involved in the movie going, do you know when it's going to come out? Am I at least good in it? You know, he's kind of down again and not sure what's going to happen. 
movie comes out it's this massive success he's getting praise everywhere then last night he goes and wins a best supporting actor Oscar he's also been offered a role in Loki season 2 so he will be in Marvel Mm -hmm. and just to cap it all when it wins best picture the person presenting the best picture award is Harrison Ford his co-star from his very first film Amazing. Such a wonderful story. Like, it always sounds like you could make a movie about how they made the movie at this point and just go full meta with it. Uh, On IMDb, it has uh, 350 award wins listed, by the way. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I was going to read out various places, but even if I just went out the read out the different bodies that have awarded them awards, we'd be on the podcast for like another hour. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely phenomenal. It's just like that if they still give physical awards for all of these awards, they're going to need a bigger house to put all the trophies. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the film itself, it's only the seventh movie to win five of the above the line awards. So best director, picture, screenplay and the actor, actress or support actor actress it's only the seventh movie to actually win all that and other things in that category are things like you know gone with the wind and kramer versus kramer you know so they're in good company there and the fact that he actually won both supporting actor and actress means in the history of the oscars no other film has ever won best picture best director and three of the four acting prizes the acting prize that they didn't win was best actor and they didn't have anybody nominated in that category because michelle Yeoh is the main lead of it mm-hmm. so there wasn't anybody really they could have nominated there which was even better because it gave the chance for Brendan Fraser to win for The Whale which kind of caps another huge comeback so it was very much a thing with both with Key and with Brendan Fraser as being massive comebacks it also means that they were in a film together back in the 90s in 1996 it means two of the three main cast of Encino Man or California Man as it was known in the UK now have Oscars (laughs) the Oscars last night I mean the event itself it was all lovely but you kind of got the feeling that the film that was supposed to win everything really did and I am so happy for those guys because it's it's such a wonderfully ridiculous movie that should never on the surface you look at it and think this should never win as many awards as it has it just shouldn't be there and it is and I'm so happy for them because it's brilliantly bonkers and yes you need to sit down and watch that film everything everywhere all at once just incredible so yes go and check it out if you've got prime video in the uk you can find it for free on prime so go and check it out there that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
So we start off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Only one thing, and it's not a cancellation, it is coming to an end. It was creative decision. Barry is going to be ending with its fourth season. So uh, there was a lot of rumours floating around that that was probably going to be the case, but they have actually confirmed it. So that is ending with its fourth season. On the renewal side, shrinking the Apple series has been renewed for season two. And uh, over on Netflix, Full Swing and Breakpoint, which are sports docuseries, have both been renewed for new seasons as well. There was a little bit of news as we're sort of running up to bloodbath period in sort of April, May. We've got things that are likely to be cancelled. We talked a little bit about these last week, but we've got a bit more of a full list now. Likely to be cancelled, Alaska Daily, which is the lowest rated drama on ABC. Wonder Years looks like it may be going as well because they bumped that to summer. So that's never a good sign. The Residents, as we mentioned last week, all the sets have been sold. Uh, Yeah, that's a bit of a hint, isn't it? You know? So, yeah, when things are popping up on eBay, that's sort of a, yeah, a clue. Uh, They still haven't officially confirmed that's been cancelled. But yeah, the the sets are being sold for that. Uh, That's over on Fox. So that probably isn't coming back. Not unless all the characters are moving house. Yes, yes. Unless they're burning the hospital to the ground. Uh, It seems very unlikely. La Brea, which is another wonderfully bonkers series. That's the one about the sinkhole that opens in the middle of Los Angeles and then everything falls it through into a primeval world. That is returning for a six-episode third season. But as we mentioned last week, basically they've done a deal with the cast because the cast is supposed to be paid for 10 episodes, but they're only making six. So they said, look, if we only pay you for six, we'll release you from your contracts after we film the third season. So that rather feels like they're not going to be coming back. And True Lies, the TV series based on the movie that has just launched on CBS, its first episode ratings weren't particularly great. So that's looking a bit shaky. In terms of things that haven't been renewed that looks like they probably are coming back, American Auto on NBC, that looks safe. Young Rock also looks safe because, let's be honest, you're the person that's going to wanting to tell Drain the Rock Johnson that his TV show isn't renewed. All the Chicagos are likely to be renewed. Law and Orders are all likely to come back. 911 and Lone Star also likely to come back. SWAT and Blue Bloods, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, not renewed yet, but there's contractual things going on at the moment. Both pretty much likely to come back at least for one more season for those, but they're both likely to get renewals as well. Moving on to some pickups and other bits of news. There is a new show coming on the 21st of April from Zoe Lister-Jones, who you might recognise from Life in Pieces if you ever saw that comedy, which was really, really funny. Uh, It's coming to the Roku channel. It's called Slip. And uh, she's starring in it. She's also writing and I think directed it as well. But it follows, uh, it's another alternate universe thing. It follows May and she is restless in a life and marriage that works. There is love between her and her husband, but little romance where May slips and has a one night stand with Eric, a handsome man she meets at a bar. She awakes the next morning in a panic, only to realise that she's entered a parallel universe in which she and Eric are married. This is the start of her surreal journey as she slips into other realities and relationships, trying to find a way back to the husband and ultimately herself. Essentially, it's sort of sort of a bit sort of Russian doll. There was what was the one that John Reese Davis was in? Um, sliders. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. I remember Sliders. <laughs> yes. So it's a bit sort of Sliders. It's a bit sort of Russian doll. The mechanism, as it explains in the trailer for her um, sliding between universes is orgasms, apparently. So... (laughs) 
every time she spends a night with somebody, uh, <laughs> she, she slips into a different... So she gets stuck in the world where she has the least satisfying evening out. <laughs> yes, that's basically it by the sounds of it. That sounds like a punishment-based superpower. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, Zoe Lister-Jones played Colin Hanks' wife in the Life in Pieces comedy, which, if you've not seen Life in Pieces, it is hilariously funny. That's who Zoe Lister-Jones is. That's the only thing I kind of know her from. But um, yeah, she's, she was great in that. She looks really good in this. It's called Slip. It's coming to the Rocky Channel on the 21st of April. You can get the Rocky Channel on Rocky Sticks. You can get it on Sky. It's free. It's ad supported. So all over the place. You can get it on Nowboxes and I think it's on Amazon Sticks as well. So it's, it's all over the place. But um, yeah, Rocky Channel for that. And it's called Slip at 21st of April. Go and check that out. They've announced the Greg Davis comedy The Cleaner is back for a second season. That's on the 24th of March. That's coming to BBC One and iPlayer. First season of that was very funny. There's a whole bunch of guest stars in, including like Zoe Wanamaker, Simon Callow, Asim Chowdhury is in there, Suzanne Fielding. There's a whole bunch of different people. So um, that's very funny. Uh, it's about um, him playing a crime scene cleaner. So yeah, that's always worth going to check out. There is the Big Door Prize, which premieres on Wednesday, the 29th of March. That is coming to Apple TV. It's based on Emma Walsh's novel of the same name. It tells the story of a small town forever changed when a mysterious machine appears in a general store, promising to reveal each resident's true life potential. It's produced by Skydance and it stars Chris O'Dowd, who sort of leads the ensemble cast of people for that but uh, Apple TV very rarely put a foot wrong so could be one worth checking out but that's a big dull prize that comes on the 29th of March to Apple TV moving on to some other news stories Batman Cape Crusader that was the animated series from Bruce Tim, JJ Abrams and Matt Reeves that was originally ordered at HBO Max and then with all the changes at HBO and they started chopping things down left right and centre they decided that this was one of the things that was going for the chop which was a bit weird because as I'm sure yeah, many it's of kind you- of top names making a Batman animated series is quite a safe bet one would assume well yes you would have thought so and Batman being well Batman you would have thought that they want to keep it on HBO but they've opted to sell it off instead so uh, Prime Video have picked it up and they've ordered two seasons of it so Bruce Tim was one of the guys behind Batman the animated series which is one of the most beloved versions of Batman out there Batman Crate Crusader two seasons of that ordered it's going to be interesting to see who they get to actually voice him of course because sadly Cameron Conroy with us anymore but he would have obviously been the voice of it so we'll see who actually picks up the mantle quite literally in this case for for that i'm glad amazon have stepped in the good news about this for us is that because amazon has stepped in it means that we will have a uk broadcaster for it whereas if it had gone to hbo max it could have landed anywhere so that is good news that it's coming back but yes i'm sure you have some interest in this yeah definitely i mean bruce tim is is it's Bruce Tim. He made, yeah, as you said, one of the best animated Batman series ever. The series that introduced Harley Quinn, who's one of my favourite DC characters. So yeah. yeah, I'll be watching this. Yes, people forget that. That's the origins of Harley Quinn are out of that Batman animated series. The character did not exist anywhere before they put Harley into Batman the animated series. Yeah, ironically, they didn't use her for the thing they invented her for. They wanted her to burst out of the birthday cake. 
as one of the henchmen and have the lady bursting out of a cape and they invented this whole character and came up with this whole thing and plotline for her and then they used the Joker for that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they created a character that would become so beloved that she then got written in to the comics and yeah, yeah is now huge, has her own animated series which is very, very good as well. Yeah, so the, the Harley animated series is fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that will be branded as an Elseworlds thing in the same way that the Harley animated series is and the main Matt Reeves Batman stuff is so unclear whether it will have any tie to the Matt Reeves Batman stuff in any way but um, it's basically been done by Bruce Tim. it's very much a sort of successor to the animated series that's how it's been pitched so uh, yeah I'm looking forward to that of course it's animation it could be years off yet so we don't know but definitely one to look out for that will be on Amazon over on the BBC, there is a new Caroline Moran comedy coming called Henpocalypse. Caroline Moran is the person behind the comedy Raised by Wolves and Hullraisers. This one follows a bridezilla called Zara and her fellow working class West Midland hens who face a struggle for survival whilst they wait for the breakdown of the human civilization in an isolated cottage in Wales because they're on a hen weekend and it's interrupted by the apocalypse. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> None of your drinks and food orders turn up. <laughs> yeah. So that is the setup for it. I mean, characters in there, you've got Elizabeth Barrington from The Responder and The Pact, who is playing the mother. You've got Lucy Shorthouse from We Are the Lady Parts playing Zara the Bride. Callie Cook from Cheetahs and Peacock, who is the chief bridesmaid. You've got Laura O'Rourke from White Golden Drifters, who is a conspiracy theorist, beautician, a bunch of other people in there. So it's basically, it is a group of group of hens and uh, yes they're basically kind of battling the apocalypse from a cottage in Wales with only a bunch of Hindu paraphernalia and they emerge to find that the male population has been very nearly wiped out plus the hens soon realise they are not alone they have serious competition from a bunch of radicalised Pilates instructors as you do yes so um, I mean it sounds very very silly but there is potential I think that it could be quite fun I know Raised by Wolves was very beloved as a it's confusing because there is a US serious sci-fi thing called Raised by Wolves but it's not that there was a, a comedy called Raised by Wolves in the UK and I know it's very beloved she's a great writer that will be coming to BBC Two and iPlayer at some point don't know when yet but I think that could be quite a funny thing to watch there is a new show coming to Netflix which is from Mike Shaw creator of The Good Place and he's reteaming with Ted Danson it is based on a documentary called The Mole Agent and it features Ted Danson as Charles a retired man who gets a new lease on life when he answers an ad from a PI and becomes a mole in his secret investigation. The Mole Agent, the documentary, was a true case where it follows a private investigator who hired an elderly gentleman to go undercover at a nursing home when he is approached by a client to allege that the, his mother was being mistreated by staff. So he hired somebody to go undercover in the nursing home. So that's the sort of basic setup and premise for it. And I can see why they might be going for a kind of comedy angle on this. Mike Sure's fantastic. The Good Place was an, an amazing TV show, if you've never seen that. He also did uh, things like Park and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Ted Danson was brilliant in Good Place. Any, any interest in this one? It sounds intriguing as a comedy to me. It's an interesting idea. My list of things to watch is already quite long, so I'm not sure it's going to make it on my list because it hasn't got a spaceship. Yes. But yeah, I can think of a few friends who'd definitely be interested in that. Certainly. Don't have a title for that yet at the moment. It might be called The Mole Agent. They might call it something else because 
Wallace, The Mole Agent is the documentary. So not actually got a title for that, but it's been made for Netflix. So it will pop up in due course. And the last bit of news we've got is very much in your wheelhouse to do with our beloved Red Dwarf. And you may have noticed that it has been off screens for a while. There's been no news about any new stuff happening for it. I saw Chris Barry talking a while ago at a Comic Con and he was like, yeah, you know, we're all ready to do more, but there's some legal things which are above my pay grade and, you know, we're trying to get them sorted out. So there was something going on, but we didn't know exactly what. Turns out that what had happened was Red Dwarf was originally written by childhood friends Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. Grant stopped writing for the show in the mid-90s, but they had a production company called Grant Naylor Productions, which manages Red Dwarf. And the company continued with Doug Naylor basically kind of leading it and creating Red Dwarf. Grant also remained on board as a board member and wrote a few books, but then kind of got distracted and did other things. But he stayed on as a board member. So both guys were involved, but clearly something had gone on and we never, probably never will know exactly why Grant stopped working with Naylor at that point. I mean, it was always said that he went on to do other things, but he kind of didn't. And so... In March 2020, Doug Naylor, who has been the person who has been doing Red Dwarf on his own for the past 20 years, alleged that he was removed from the board of the company whilst the company claimed he resigned. The company also claimed that they retained the rights to Red Dwarf and basically were saying that Doug Naylor couldn't do any more Red Dwarf stuff. He obviously, at that point, quite understandably, sued the company, which is Grant Naylor Productions and has his name in the title. That is the legal dispute that's been going on since pretty much 2020 for last couple of years they have now resolved it we don't know exactly what happened all we do know is if you look at the list of directors for grant naylor productions both grant and naylor are now listed as directors again on it so clearly they've something has changed and he's now part of the company again They released a statement that said, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor are delighted to announce that the ongoing dispute over Red Dwarf rights has been resolved. Moving onwards and upwards, Rob and Doug hope to launch separate iterations of Red Dwarf across various media, working again with the cast and other valued partners and wishing each other the very best. Smoke me a kipper, Red Dwarf will be back for breakfast. That was the statement they released. From that, it sort of sounds like it's possibly back to status quo, where Doug is working on the TV series and Rob is going to write novels and maybe some other bits and pieces, but it doesn't explicitly say that. So there may be other stuff happening as well. We don't know. We could be about to enter a multiverse, which is the way I interpreted it there. Yes. Um, we may have a timeline split with the continuum and we could end up be that with a TV show on one plot line and books going down another way or potentially different TV things with two different universes. Yeah, that is the weird thing. Whether there is a chance that you will have the current cast carry on as they are under Doug and Rob maybe launches something else entirely with a different cast or maybe Rob will write more books and they will go off in one direction, but maybe he'll write audiobooks or something and you'll have an audiobook timeline and a book timeline, which is completely different to the TV show, which, I mean, to be fair, is what they've done already. I mean, that an actual fact isn't that different because the book timeline for Rob Rob's books was always different to the TV timeline. Not that continuity has ever been a massive thing for Red Wolf necessarily, but... No, continuity never matter. <laughs> yes. We don't know exactly what's going to go on, but clearly there is going to be more Red Dwarf 
stuff out there. I suspect that it will be Naylor back in the driving seat of the TV show as we know it at the moment, because I can't imagine he would have agreed to anything else. That, I expect, is to be the case. It's just a case of what Rob does, because Rob apparently at some point has been making noises about wanting to get involved with more than just the books. So who knows? Separate iterations, though. I mean, it very specifically said separate iterations. So as to what that is, like I say, it could just be novels and a TV show and they are on different timelines. It could be something else entirely. Anything particularly you'd like to see? I don't know at this point because some of the more recent Red Dwarf things have been a little bit more hit and miss for me. Like, I don't want to be like, what I want is it to return back to like it was in the first couple of seasons, because that's not what we're going to get. And if people don't want to work with each other and write with each other anymore, yeah. then it's never going to feel the same. Like, you you know, you mm-hmm. people write like that when they're having fun writing together. My favorite things were the things that they wrote together, though. So it, it's going to be interesting. I'm happy that we can just get more Red Dwarf now, because potentially when we had a legal dispute over ownership and stuff, sometimes that can include license rights. Sometimes that can include whether or not we were going to get any more DVDs, Blu-rays, other mm-hmm. spin-off things, merch and stuff like that. You start to get into very shaky ground with the existing stuff as well. Yeah. Um, if they were retaining the rights historically before this got sorted out. So at the moment, I think I'm just glad that they've sorted things out. Yeah, me too. And whatever comes out of this, there were, before all this happened, there was talk of them making more sort of feature length movies because the Promised Land was the last thing we got from them, which was the feature length thing they did for Dave. It sounds like that they are kind of back on to potentially do more of that sort of stuff. So we'll have to see what turns up and when they officially announce something. But nothing's been officially announced at the moment, but there clearly is something in the works. So, uh, yes, more Red Dwarf on the way anyway, of some description, whatever that may be. That's all the news for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have Ted Lasso returning for its third and I think its final season. That's on Apple TV on the 15th of March. A Town Called Malice, which is a new thing from Nick Love that is a crime drama set in the early 80s, set in the Costa del Sol, and uh, that looks like it could be quite fun. That's coming to Sky Max on the 16th of March. That's A Town Called Malice. Uh, Shadow and Bone returns for its second season. That's on the 16th of March on Netflix. Extrapolations, which was that ridiculously starry-packed cast eco-dramary thing that Apple TV are doing. That's coming on the 17th of March to Apple TV+. Plus. Challenge Annika returns to... I'm so excited. <laughs> returns... I was such a big fan of Challenge Annika when I was a kid. And when she put up the little video on social media saying that like, yep, they're going to get back in the jumpsuit and back doing Challenge Annika, I was so happy. Challenge Annika back for what is technically the eighth season, or they'll probably refer to it as season one. It's back, I think it's four episodes they're doing. Channel 5, 18th of March at 8.50. Challenge Janica returns after 15 years off TV. I'm also very happy that's back. The buggy's back, the van is back, the jumpsuits are back, and Dave, the sound man, is back. Every, everybody's back. So, yes, that should be really fun uh, for nostalgic viewing. But 18th of March on Channel 5, uh, 8.50, that is. 
Great British Bake Off is back for another celebrity edition in Stand Up for Cancer. That is 19th of March at 7.45. That lands. Grace Returns, that's the John Sim crime drama. That's for season three. That's on ITV on the 19th of March at 8pm. And The Flash returns for its ninth and final season. That is on Sky Max. That's on the 21st of March at 8pm. That is everything coming to TV this week. There's some good stuff in there. I think definitely things going to be watching uh certainly challenge Annika I think we'll watch if people want to find you where can they find you so I can be found as Trista Bites on all of the things uh spelled T-R-I-S-T-A-B-Y-T-E-S because I thought making a pun would be funny it's not useful on a podcast uh yeah I'm on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Twitch streaming on Mondays and Tuesdays at the moment but I guest on other people's streams on other days as well so lots of power simulator and some charity fundraisers going on on my streams at the moment and i'm appearing as a team leader on clone corps shooting clones you can guess what the tv game show inspiration is for that one <laughs> some fridays and i'm over on jason bradbury's twitch channel on sundays excellent so yes definitely go and check bex out over on there and uh, particularly charity streams you're doing one for alzheimer's i think i saw to yes alzheimer's research uk that is happening this week and I'm washing a dinosaur in Power Wash Simulator for charity with dinosaur based and comedy jump scare donation alerts. <laughs> Excellent. So I already have regrets. I've made myself jump just putting the sound effects into the <laughs> app. <laughs> funny so uh, definitely go and check Bex out on Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S and go and check her out on Twitch and um, go and donate stuff because it raises loads of money for things over there it's really really good and uh, Alzheimer's is definitely something you should be raising money for for other people involved in the show you can find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org that's for all the uh, podcasts and other stuff that we've got going on over there so there is uh, his menu stream that'll be interesting given the football stuff this weekend there is The Last of Us, so you can catch the episodes that we're doing for that. There is Gaming Talk and the various other things that he's got going on over there. So go and check Matt out over on entertainmenttalk.org. And Daryl, you can find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geek down and on instagram at geek down uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye